The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. What's that, bud? Not a lot. So there it is. There's the logo. There's the logo, right? We had to get that on there. You know that. Yeah, of course. So we'll see. Uh, if we well, see we are. Oh, there was a couple of people already. Already excited. Ready to do so. Yeah, excited. That's, I guess, one way of putting it. So Sorry. it's not moving on my screen. It's kind of locked. It's, we look like prisoners that have broke out. It will. It's just it's a, kind of a slow. It's cracking me up, to be completely honest. We're dropping frames, but it's okay. All right, anyway. We should have audio. Nothing else. We should have audio, which, unfortunately, for the people that can actually hear us, is the bad part. But I guess it's also the important one. So, so we do a little uh, corn stream, talk a little COVID. How's things going in your neck of the woods? You don't have to get real specific, but. Uh... So far, things are uh, well. Our governor did a better than average job, apparently, of preparing the state. And uh, we're doing as best as we can. That's not to say other states aren't doing the best they can, but so far uh, the plans and strategies uh, our governor put into place seem to be working. Good. Uh, Actually, I was kind of, I had to commend uh, the uh, Governor Kelly from Kansas. She kind of stepped up and we're in a a stay-at-home phase of the pandemic. And unfortunately, our neighbors uh, over to Missouri, you know, they uh, are not, and they're seeing some astronomically high cases. And I kind of had to chuckle just a tad whenever she mentioned uh, that, you know, the reason that we, she was issuing this order was to uh, prevent us from becoming a state like New York or Missouri. So. Well, and but the sad part is the people that live in those states are suffering. I know, I know. And uh, I, I, I want to say, New York is not unique, as in their people are different, which apparently was a conspiracy theory I hadn't run into. But they had to address that people in New York don't have different immune systems. I was like, wow, I can't believe that got out. Um, but it's a, it's a proximity issue. You know, they have multiple cities in New York that are highly dense, including New York City, obviously. So when you compare that to a more rural rural area and people are spread out, you're going to have a much higher infection rate with something like this in those densely packed, you know, urban centers. Yeah, and it's just really sad to see a lot of those, uh, like you said, the urban centers and just seeing the number of cases just skyrocket because they're um, kind of packed in on each other. It actually brought up an interesting conversation with me and a physician that I work with um, and how they handle like getting to work and stuff. You know, for me in rural uh, Kansas, I 
get in my truck and I drive to work and it's not a big deal. Uh, but, you know, places like New York, DC, um, a lot of the bigger cities, it's like, well, how do they, you know, are the buses still running? Are subways shut down? And so I actually reached out to Christine uh, from Antidote Stories of Medicine because she's in a bigger metropolitan area than I am. And we visited a little bit and she kind of clued me in that, you know, some of the buses and stuff are running just on a, a more modified schedule to kind of help out the essential workers. Um, but hopefully uh, she has uh, talked about potentially coming on uh, this weekend and kind of visiting with us about rural versus uh, urban care of COVID-19. So I think that'll be interesting. Also, um, I guess I'll throw it out live on the air that I was, it was one of those shower thoughts. Uh, we might want to get our uh, mental health nurse practitioner friend back on and talk about coping with oh, yeah. COVID-19 no, if he's willing to. I'm sure that he would, yeah. Um, so... I didn't, I have not looked up in the most recent stats. Um, I know that I guess since they suspended the Olympics for a year that the United States needed to win gold and something. And so we have surpassed all other countries as far as total cases, which is not overly surprising, yes. but, uh, you know, still is somewhat well, concerning. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be surprising again. And I want to say this from the top, um, well, the semi-top, since we're not at the top of the show anymore. Neither Ben nor I are claiming to be infectious diseases experts. Uh, we're not epidemiologists. We don't work for the CDC, but we do get some pretty good information, and we're able to try and translate it, hopefully well enough, for the people listening to get a grasp on the overall. That's what the point of the show is. So if you read something on another website and it's not exactly what we are saying here on the show, please remember that the point of the show is to try and do education for everybody listening. So having said that, um, I've seen the, the problem I'm starting to run into is it was pretty homogenous sets of information in the beginning. If one website um, from like Johns Hopkins or the CDC or World Health said, we'll say a thousand cases and 10 deaths, mm -hmm. they all said that. I have noticed since the exponential rise in numbers that we have had recently, which again, shouldn't be totally unexpected by anybody, but since those numbers have started to rise so fast, I'm getting lots of different sets of numbers. So I'm going to try and give a rough estimate based on what I'm seeing is we are around 180,000 total cases in the United States and just over 3,000 total deaths uh, related to COVID. Hmm. And compare that to the last note I have from a show was 7,000 total cases and 97 deaths. Yeah, I mean, it's that's just... A, uh, that, that's a rise. <clears throat> no, it definitely is. And, you know, we're... Hopefully, we'll start seeing some signs that the curve is flattening. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a weird situation that we all kind of live in and this, you know, shelter-in-place type world that we're in now, but... Uh, we're you know, doing the best that we can and continuing to uh, try to take care of people and 
trying to provide some education along the way as well, like we're doing right now. We've got like 20 some people listening and watching live right now. So, hey, if y'all got any questions, uh, shoot them to us and we'll uh, do our best to answer them. See that, you know, Big Sean's in the house. JR's in the house. Tony saying her anxiety's bad. Uh, it's hard to even go to the store, which I, I couldn't completely understand that. So, you know, just try to be safe and try to do that. You know, I, and I've, I've seen a lot of things with like the social distancing. And I don't know that I necessarily like that word as much as maybe physical distancing because we're still trying to be social. Um, and, you know, we're kind of doing that even digitally and virtually now. So, uh, but try to physically distance as much as you can. Well, I, I don't mind uh, the word social distancing. I mean, I, I get what you're, you're going for, but I, I think what the important part is, is that people are trying to understand it is a physical distance, obviously, but people interact and mingle for the reason of becoming social. And perhaps if you frame it as social distancing, they'll, they'll start putting two and two together such as, Hey, I'm not supposed to be out talking to my friends or I'm not supposed to be out, you know, shopping for fun. You know, if you need, you know, toilet paper or milk or something like that, sure. Go out. But we really shouldn't be going out to just, have fun and that's that's part of the reason i think it's important sometimes um maybe in this case more than others for when people <laughs> i'm just reading some of the comments thank you brandon um and I, I saw the tragedy that happened to your beard brother so i'm playing a little mental taps for you brandon but um what is Tommy drinking? Sorry, man. Um, Coke, um, which is weird because that's not what I normally drink. But tonight, that's uh, that's what I had You're available. Paving, so. yeah. yeah, I know. Um, no, I meant like I usually drink Diet Pepsi, but that's uh, what I gotcha. grabbed for some reason. It was in my fridge. I think this is a remnant from drinking the other night. And I was using this as the mixer, and I just grabbed it tonight on accident. So, gotcha. but the point is, is uh, far too often. I I think there has been some good and bad things, and this is one thing I was going to talk to you about, Ben. Is right now, I am both excited about some of the things I see. Maybe excited is not the right word, but I think that there are people doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, you know, sewing masks for first responders, yeah. uh, stuff like that. But at the same time, I am so completely both furious and disappointed by the amounts of people that are still just going out and acting like this is every day or flat refusing. They're like, I'm not going to let this bug me. Like how, how can you possibly continue to act as if everything is normal when it's clearly not. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you know, it's like, like I said earlier, it's just kind of a weird world that we're uh, kind of transversing now. I mean, now have they canceled schools there? I know here they've, I mean, we're completely done for the year as far as elementary and high schools and uh, majority of the colleges even. Well, no and yes. 
So we are no longer going to school physically, but we are still trying to do online schooling. I guess I, yeah, which, we are too. I should stand corrected. But like I said before, our state has done a fairly decent job. I think they're still holding on to hope that somehow we will um, come out of this and then make a run for two weeks, apparently, to go back to school, whatever's going to be left. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see it happening, but it is a possibility. I mean, anything is a possibility. And, of course, if you're uh, on the front lines taking care of this, we appreciate the hell out of you uh, continuing to do what you're doing with, you know, the, the sad thing I think that I see is how quickly we've had to downgrade um, recommendations. You know, it went from N95s to um, surgical masks to well, the bandana might work okay, I guess. Uh, and it's just a sad state that uh, healthcare in general is in right now that uh, we were, you know, we're actually telling people who are putting their lives on the line, taking care of people that put a bandana over your face and it might help some. Yeah. I've seen several things on this, um, such as, you know, we're the richest country in the world. How did we come to this? But I mean, there's socioeconomic issues that may or may not support just because we own a large percentage of wealth does not mean we own a larger percentage of buying power because of who has the wealth. So I think there are some things that the, the public is putting out to try and be supportive of healthcare that doesn't exactly always match up. I, I do think what has transpired as far as preparedness on both the hospital level at the very local level to the state level to the federal level is beyond negligent and should be considered criminal for some of the things that they're doing to these people. We would never ask a firefighter to run into a building on fire without turnout gear. Yeah, it's true. Excuse me. But we are absolutely putting these young men and young women at peril and not only treating those people, but then taking it back to their family. So not only we're asking them to sacrifice themselves, but possibly their family to take care of people that are sick with this. And so most of these people are going to be, I'm going to say the word legitimate, but they're going to be cases of they may have tried to avoid getting COVID, but they got it. What bothers me is that you and I both know, and I think that the people listening know, that there are going to be people that are going to die that are healthcare workers or the family of healthcare workers that died because of someone else's inability to practice social distance or wash their hands or follow any sort of simple directions. Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate uh, knife twist for me. Um, so we're getting a couple of questions, Tom. Uh, yeah. Why are they, why are they say, saying this will peak again in the fall? Isn't this already at a peak, uh, Andrea? You know, it's hard to say just because it's such a novel uh, or a new virus that we're, they're still trying to figure out um, how it's going to ebb and flow. Is this going to be something that's going to come back around next year or later in the year? And at that point, are we going to have immunity to it or not? Um, so, you know, unfortunately right now, it's a lot of it's just kind of a best guess uh, scenario. Would you agree, Tom? Yeah. The, the, 
Oh man, do you hear me? Look what happens on a live show. So the problem you're going to run into this is the variable, which is people. Uh, the computer models and mapping are only guesses on what is going to happen next. So if people start practicing social distancing, you might see a peak sooner with less numbers and that you've heard the term flattening the curve over and over and over again out there. So that that's part of what transpires when people follow those uh, suggestions. However, if people decide to do something like, oh, go to spring break and the state of Florida decides to not lock down beaches, Come on, suddenly the curve is going to suddenly have a sharp uprise and it's going to skew any following models or, or maps because instead of having 10 people to worry about, now you have 100. Well, yeah. these types of situations move in variables. Uh, so, you know, one person infects three people, those three people infect nine people, so on and so forth. So if you only start with three people, we can map. But when the number, the base number at the beginning is 100, you have a explosion of potential. And so it's hard for us to tell right now based on what is actually going to transpire now versus with some of the things Ben just talked about as far as immunity on whether this is going to be perennial or if this is going to be seasonal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jen went out to buy my own goggles and you wouldn't believe how packed Lowe's was. Uh, I mean, that, like Tom Tardy hammered that one pretty good already with uh, you know people just not following instructions and staying home. Uh, JR there, Tom. I sent you this link earlier, I don't, and you didn't respond to me, but the opinion of CDC thinking all people should wear a mask in public. Uh, and at this point, they're still just investigating that. It's not a, a current recommendation. I know we've talked about that a couple of times on the show. What do you think, Tom? Um, I, I think, so the number one reason, I shouldn't say the number one, the, the two main reasons that the public has ever been asked about wearing masks or if you look at some of the data out of South Korea about wearing masks is twofold. A, a minor amount of protection for somebody that may have some underlying conditions. So it might give them an extra layer of protection, but realistically that's not going to help overall. Sad, but it's true. Yeah. The biggest reason for us to recommend to the public to wear masks, if that happens is not to protect yourself it's to protect everyone around you because we know that this virus may be two to 14 days, though I think 14 is still tad high based on all the information we have, but realistically two to 14 days of possible symptoms without or possible ability to spread the disease without symptoms. So if everybody started wearing masks, hopefully if you are infected, but don't know it yet, it then lowers your ability to spread the virus. That would be the main reason. I think it is far-fetched because we can't even get people to be smart enough to stay away from each other when they know being farther than six feet will help keep the numbers down. And they're not willing to do that. I don't see how we can possibly make them start wearing masks. If they want to wear a mask, I, I'm supportive of it. But as I said before, the problem is, is that one, it's realistically not going to protect you. It's giving you a false sense of security. And already we've seen people that they wear gloves and they think that's going to protect them, but then they touch everything with those gloves and then put things in their mouth. It's not seen a video or any video of that. Yeah. 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 You're, so when you wear gloves and you wear a mask in a public, you're giving yourself a false sense of security. You're not actually preventing anything. So 
that's that's the rub with that. I I think I think it may become like some of the uh, quarantine issues of we recommend you wear a mask, but I don't know that you're going to see widespread. Um, next question. Did you see this question from you. Jeff? <laughs> no, no, I'll answer. I guy no. Yeah, I saw that question. Um, actually, there's one way. Way up high. It's from Jeff. From uh, Jeff Gerritsen. I guess I didn't. I don't see it. Well, I'll go ahead and read it out then. So Jeff says, I got a question, my friend. We work as part of the essential workforce. Statewide shutdown, I'm assuming is what he meant there. Shouldn't essential companies be screening their employees, at least for temperatures, instead of saying, if you are sick, stay home? We go to work, but have family members at home. How do we protect them? So the... It's a good question. This is really... Yeah, it is. And I I realistically think that it's two. It's two problems. Um, What do you do if you are an essential workforce member? And how do you protect your people at home? Yeah. I, I, I think it is hard to say because not every job is the same. Um if you are working in a factory and you don't have anybody near you, it may be a different level of testing that is required to help out. Um, Versus if you're in healthcare and I'm literally four inches from your face while I'm working with you, you know, that's a, that's a much different level of, you know, physical um, distance there. So I think that temperatures um, are a great way but it, it's not everything. I think what they're trying to do is tell you, Jeff, is that if you feel like you're sick, don't come in and expose people. And honestly, I, I kind of agree with that. Is like if you even think there's a chance that you're ill, don't bring it here because we don't want it. But I do and, think that uh, I do think that the checking temperatures at least once, maybe during the day, can certainly be. Uh, beneficial to at least screen people. I know that, uh, you know, for our organization, um, all employees are checked when they come to the door. Uh, and then we're also checking all patients uh, or, or visitors or anybody who uh, happens to walk in our door. As far as the second part of the question, um, you know, as far as protecting your family, I would do very similar to what I know I'm doing and I'm sure Tom's doing. And I'm sure there's lots of other healthcare workers are doing. Um, I now come in my back door and um, I strip down there. My scrubs go immediately into the washer. I go from there to straight to the shower. Don't touch anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Straight to the shower, shower off. And then uh, after that, then I'm, you know, I do, uh, of course, interact with my family some. And that's just because we don't have a high prevalent number of cases in this area now. Once it gets to that point, I will probably even social distance from my family and kind of stay in my room because my room has, um, of course, my bedroom, but it also has a a full bathroom that will just be mine that nobody else gets to use because I don't want to risk them getting infected. Um, No, that's, that's a very similar thing. So, Um, if that is one of your concerns and you work somewhere and you are afraid that some kind of interaction or somebody at work may have given you a thing, realistically strip down, remove, 
remove the materials that may be harboring the virus is step one. So immediately get them into some kind of washer, preferably by themselves, but not everybody can do that. Um, Hot, hot water in a dishwasher. Good Lord. Hot water. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Yes. Just sanitize it on a heavy rinse. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Good Lord. Um, but, you know, washing your clothes, washing yourself multiple times a day, we should be practicing. And we do that at our house. Uh, there are times where I'm just like, wash your hands because I just want everybody to get into a routine of doing that. Certainly, anytime you are coming from the outside inside, everything needs to be deconned. Like, that's that's the the best way because you're, you're going to see a bunch of information about possible um, aerosol or hanging in the air, etc., Realistically, here's what we know is that for sure it's going to pass by droplet mm-hmm. for sure. We know it can live for uh, short periods of time on most surfaces and up to 72 hours in perfect conditions on non-poor surfaces. So if you are eliminating the ability of the virus to travel, that's the only true way to protect your family. So Ben hit, a, hit it on the head pretty good. Strip down decon as soon as you come in and uh go from there yeah okay so we, we're just blowing up in the hold on here. hold on yeah yeah so hold on i gotta answer this one or he'll just keep asking it i'm sure <laughs> so uh food for thought do you think cannabis would help out with COVID 19 um yes and no i think as far as the panic stricken uh would, would help people chill wouldn't it yes and and honestly i i think that mental health is an aspect that is desperately overlooked in some of these issues. However, unfortunately, depending on how you ingest the cannabis can make a huge difference because we know this is detrimental to the respiratory tract. And if you are smoking this, especially heavily, it's going to cause some damage. We know there's lots of tars and everything inside of cannabis. Therefore, it's probably causing some pretty good damage to your lungs if you are inhaling it. So it's probably not the best for protection in that manner. So it's, it's a, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was really expecting every and move on. You were like, yeah, yeah. Every, every once in a while, you know, but, uh, I, 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 well, to be honest, let's face it, weed is everywhere. There's probably a lot of people listening to this that may or may not even have it. So True. I just will address it. All right. Do you think it would be it would make a difference if we didn't treat fevers? Um, so I actually heard from uh, Christine again today because we've kind of been touching base more frequently. Um, and she's in a bigger urban area, so she's seen a whole lot more cases than we are. Uh, and she's seeing, yeah. um, you know, they're not able to break fevers below 100 even with uh, medications. Uh, so, you know, I, and she's seeing fevers, 103s, 104s, 105s. So I certainly think, you know, if nothing else, then comfort just to kind of help treat uh, the fever to, you know, at that point, we're treating kind of the symptoms and, and, and symptomatic and supportive care part of it. I... Unfortunately, I actually heard about this for the first time today. Um, it was on a post, somebody saying, well, I'm a respiratory therapist and I work with people and this is, we shouldn't treat fevers because that's how it kills viruses. And I was like, ah, eh. 
that's your body's response to the virus. That's not so much going to kill it by in and of itself. So what in essence it seems like we're telling people is be a little more miserable. I I don't think that we've seen any data that shows a better outcome for the patients without antipyretics. So I'm not, yeah. as far as, yeah. So as far as I know, I want you to be as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. I have no problems with treating the fever. And uh, before we go any further on a, I, I see a question a couple down. I skipped ahead. So we'll get to the other questions, but uh, John said, have you heard, have you seen any hard data on the effects of ibuprofen making the virus worse? And the short answer is yes, that there have been multiple studies by several different governments. So even if you're like, I don't believe China, which I don't, but let's say, let me rephrase that because we have listeners in China. I don't believe everything put out by the Chinese government. Let's, that's a little more specific. Um, what I would say, though, is that multiple times that this has been examined and reviewed, and so far there has been no linkage of worsening of symptoms with the ingestion of NSAIDs. So at this point, it still seems to be a go for treatment option. However, I'm sure Ben is going to have something on this, but here in a second, but it's going to be, if you're really that worried, That's, don't yeah. take them. That's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, we're, you know, if in lots of patients are going to have comorbidities where they're not going to be able to take NSAIDs like ibuprofen or naproxen or any of the other ones. Uh, so, I mean, if there's any concerns or if you have any concerns, uh, yeah, take acetaminophen uh, instead. Uh, people are showing different signs and symptoms, but not getting tested until they get really sick. When someone comes in and they're just complaining about feeling good, just because they don't have every symptom, why can't they be tested and try to catch this before it's full-blown take the chance of spreading it to other people? Well, the short answer to that is, uh, sadly, there's not a whole lot of the ability to test. Um, despite what has been said through um, multiple press conferences, you know, a, a test for every person, uh, that's just not the case. And even with testing, lots of times we're still seeing a uh, three to eight day turnaround time to get those results back. Uh, the best thing you can do is try to avoid people and if you're not feeling well, stay home. So I did see that the FDA has, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gave the go ahead. I don't know. There's a, a real green, word. Green lighted. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they made it official. God damn. I'm just, my brain is just not working right this minute. But the point is the FDA said, okay, there is a point of care test that we are going to let people start using. So Melinda, I think you are going to see a great uptick in the number of COVID cases that are confirmed and people that are tested when we actually have this at the front lines and in the offices. But as he said, it's not available. Someday it'll be like strep. You know, I can swab you, we run it, and in 15 minutes I have an answer. Yeah. But today is not that day. Well, and the problem is even then, uh, you know, the reagent, because to test for viruses like COVID-19 or coronavirus, 
Um, the federal government's controlling a lot of that and sending it to places like New York and places like Chicago and places where they're they're the hotspots. And so it's it's a lack of supplies. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we just don't have the test to do it. So. As we talked in the last episode, this is basically some large mass casualty triage. I have to make a decision on who gets to be tested and when they get tested. If you don't meet the criteria of somebody that we know is within that wheelhouse, like if you're not meeting so many of the the symptoms, we just can't afford to spend the test on everybody when I could test this guy and confirm or deny whether he's... Um, going to be able to pass this along. So that's that's the short answer on that one. Um, Conrad isn't so much a question as it is a statement, which I completely 100% agree with. People are so egocentric, they have no clue that they're putting everyone at risk by not self-isolating. Um, I think that some people don't realize it, Conrad. I think some people are just assholes and they don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> that's 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 it. So I am with this guy a hundred percent. Like I just that's one of the things we were talking about earlier is that's one of the things that makes me sad is I just look around and I look at people clearly out for no reason. Or when they make the statement, I'm not gonna be bothered by this. I'm like, whoa. Oh it's, just, you are. it's terrible. Yeah. Uh Matt yes. Matt Godsey, uh you know, he works for natural gas distribution. He says company screens customers with COVID related questions before they work. Um, our tax asked the same questions before we worked the order. We've had to trust the customers telling the truth. Uh, we get into situations where we have no choice if they're in an emergency, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar to healthcare. I mean, we have people screening at the doors yeah. and, you know, they'll say, you know, are you running fever, cough, short of breath, anything like that? And they'll say no. Uh, they'll get into the room and then they'll tell the provider, hey, yeah, so I have a fever, cough, short of breath. And you're like, well, and now I'm just exposed and I wasn't able to take appropriate precautions. Unfortunately, Ben hit that one right on the head. And that's, while I may no longer be on the front lines, that's one of the things that still puts me and my family at risk is when this person's so desperate or they think there's some pill and I don't understand that, that people still think that there's a medication for this when there's not um but they will do anything to get into the room and then when we start there and start talking to them they're like oh by the way i i do have a fever or maybe they don't currently have one because our our nurses usually take all that stuff they'll be like but i have been coughing for a couple days or i have been around somebody that had covid i just forgot to tell them so now i'm sitting in a closed room and it's just like oh boy okay so uh it is a matter of having to trust the people you're working with, Matt. And it's unfortunate when people aren't telling us the whole truth. And I appreciated his corn stream last night. He did a, he did a little concert. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, oh, Tony, uh, that's where I stole the word corn stream from. <laughs> uh, people wow. can have it for days before a temp even happens, right? So are they contagious even before they have a temperature? Yes. Um, and there are patients who have absolutely no symptoms whatsoever and can still transmit the virus to other people, which is why they're trying to do more of the stay-at-home orders um, and trying to keep people away from everybody because someone could have it, expose a bunch of other people, and never realize it. Um, And that's one of the reasons, like, they've locked down nursing homes and things of that nature is trying to prevent uh, it from getting in there. 
And honestly, it's not a total surprise that people are walking around passing it on when we know that around 80% of the people that even have this may not ever know it. Yeah. So it, it's not, or if they do have it, they're like, oh, I, I kind of had a headache and a scratchy throat for a couple of days. Their temperature might never have been high enough that they even knew to take it. So that is part of the reason that social distancing and these lockdowns are so imperative right now so that people can give this time because the virus can't just grow legs and walk over to someone else. So if we just stay away from each other and build, (laughs) yes, I am very sure. And we build those uh, invisible dams basically around ourselves. That's the only true way for us to stop this, Tony. So that's why that's one of the things that makes this, you know, infection so insidious is that people are walking around with it and they don't even know they have it. Uh, Kayla, do you think the government did all this? Um, probably not. Um, there's not been any proof Prop, of anything whoa. like that. I, no. Hold on. Hold on. No. Th- no. It's not a probably not. It's a no. Um, there's been no proof to this okay. point. I was, <laughs> yeah, I, cut me off before I like, finish Tom. Uh, and and I, I mean, just, and I mean by any government. I mean I don't. I don't believe it was the Chinese government, the North Koreans. I don't believe it was any other government. I think it was just sometimes viruses happen, and sometimes people try to to look for, uh, or as I said in one of our earlier episodes, they try to apply logic to an illogical world, um, and sometimes shit just happens. Or it uh, could be you know sometimes people have apophenia. There you go. Yes, Ben's Ben's favorite word from last episode. Stormy, um, if someone in the house is sick, do they need to wear a mask? And if we don't have any, is I need a mask? Okay. If someone in the house is sick, I would say try to limit your contact with them as much as humanly possible. Granted, if it's a child or you know something like that where you're not going to be able to, um, you know, is a homemade mask okay? It's hard to say definitively. Uh, I would say it's probably better than absolutely nothing, which is kind of, hey, now I sound like the CDC. <laughs> um, wow. That's how they get you. That's, yeah. So, I mean, the best thing to do is try to stay away from as much as possible. <clears throat> Tom, you, you have one there from Heather. Did you see that? Yes, I see that. Um, to Heather, on my behalf, please let, Audrey know that I'm not a lumberjack, but I have cut down a tree before. So that's a win. So <laughs> I think we covered that. There you go. John, what's a tipping I point? Think, I mean, you just need to seek help for COVID symptoms. Well, hot. Oh, I, I just want to talk about my, my, no, I want to talk about my beard for a minute. So yes, it's, I, focus on I can't get beard. it trimmed, but I can't get it trimmed at the moment. Because all the barber shops, well, that's dangerous because the last time I trimmed it myself, I had to then shave it off my face and start all <laughs> over. So the, let's face it, people, not all the tragedies are covered by the media. It's the hard-hitting uh, podcast, like just some podcast that goes after subjects such as, when am I going to be able to get my beard trimmed again? Well, here's, question the, is, here's the better question, Tom. Since that beard is but, not going to be uh, qualify for an N95, are you at any point going to consider trimming it down to a 
uh, more manageable to a tea light mine that my N95 mask fits on. On a hundred percent. If um, Fair enough. I think most healthcare centers have done this. Um, mine is no different that they're asking people outside of the main hospital or outside of certain departments that if you have experience elsewhere, where else could you work if there is a internal or external disaster status declared? And I wrote it down. I was like, yep, if you need me in the ER, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm back. Um, if that happens or they mandate it, yes, I would trim my facial hair. Ugh, shudder at the thought. But, um, you know, this is a temporary situation and that's a temporary status. And, you know, my beard will grow back. So very true. Just try and keep that in mind. Um, what is the tipping point, Sean? Big Sean, what's the tipping point that you seek help for COVID symptoms? I would say the tipping point would be the shortness of breath aspect. Um, from what I have seen and talked to other providers that are seeing gross numbers of cases, uh, that shortness of breath can come on very quickly. Um, and, and it's almost causes a grounding feeling for a lot of patients. Um, so I would say if, you, if they're having significant shortness of breath, uh, bluing of the lips, or um, you know anything like that where you can definitely tell they're in a respiratory distress, uh, that's when they need to seek help for COVID. And they should be nice and call ahead and tell them, hey, I'm coming in and I have concerns I may have this so that you're they can be prepared for that accordingly. Exactly what Ben said um, is the cyanosis or signs of cyanosis or hypoxia and respiratory distress. That's when you got to pull the trigger and make that next level of uh, care possible. So, but I, I think that's also one of the things that people are missing out on. And that's part of the reason we we're not being callous when we tell people stay home treatment's not any different. We're trying to make the point that if it's, you're just having some fever or headache or some body aches, those are things that do not require a higher level of care that you can take care of at home. It's for the people that have those tipping points or the breathing issues. They're the ones that need to be at the hospital. And that's why we're trying to make all these things happen. Um, question from Tammy, which you know who Tammy is. <laughs> what is the rate of false <laughs> negatives for COVID-19 testing? I don't know, Dom. Do you know? I don't know. I I do know that... Oh, geez. Something really loud just happened. Um, I used to have all the numbers. Honestly, I think so many people have been tested at this point that most of the websites with this information aren't even tracking it anymore. Um. I do know the last time I saw it, I want to say it was almost, I think it was over 10 to 1. Um, most of the tests that we were putting out were coming back with negatives, which is also another reason why we're trying to only test those people that we think we can help. But that's not, but that's not necessarily false or, negatives, though. Oh, false. I guess I was, oh, I'm thinking of just negatives. No, I don't, I don't know a number of false negatives. I do know that there was, and she brings up a really good issue. Um, I do know that um, there was an issue with the first set of COVID-19 tests that were deployed um, being failures. No, I didn't. So I had not heard that. Yes. 
Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, they did a random sampling, and not only were they false, they couldn't tell the difference between water or a sample. So hmm. how many were that, though? I don't know. And Tammy, that is a great question. And honestly, those are the types of things that we may not be getting answers or information on currently because we have a lot of big fish to fry. But I think you're absolutely right. That is something that we need to know. And I think in the aftermath of this, maybe 2021, maybe 2022, that those are the types of things that are going to be weeded out so that hopefully in future pandemics, these mistakes aren't repeated. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Blade thinks you're a rookie for not being able to trim your own beard. Andrea says you need to take lessons uh, from me on beard trimming. Uh, my wife says you need to let your wife do it. Um, so you need to trim your damn beard. Okay. So, so yeah, hold on a second. So <laughs> hold, hold on. That's a lot of information all at the same time. So let me um, not be able Pastor it's not so much that I can't, okay? It's two things. Is I am wise enough to realize I'm going to mess it up. So I just trying to avoid it at all cost. Um, Audra, that <laughs> option is on the table. And I think we have explored it. Um, and it may happen soon. Who knows? Um, do, you, do you want your wife that close to your neck with the sharp razor? Oh, she doesn't scare me. If she was going to do that, she would have taken me out in my sleep sometime way before this. So, um, and not only that, I use a safety razor. So she would like, I'm not going to sit there and let her, you know, do as a safety razor trying to cut my throat. It'll be kissably smooth by the time she gets done, but she isn't going to get through the skin. So I don't know what else kissably smooth. to say about that. There you go. That's kissably smooth. When I think of Tom uh, now, and on, what I is, think. What is this dog pile? Andrea's like, take lessons from Ben on beard. Well, she said timing, well, but she meant trimming. I, I, no, I, I don't have to. I'm keeping it right now. You know, so. you know that how the podcast works, Tom. We all bag on Tom. Yeah, it's a, it's a jerk move, Andrea. What do you think about that? <laughs> Welcome um, to Just on Podcast, where I go after my own audience. Uh, yeah. You're not safe. Just, Frequently. just be aware. Um, <laughs> maple Jim. syrup trolls don't think i forgot about them uh pantless gin there fmc is requiring all staff to be smooth shaven uh some salty gentlemen out there i'm sure there are um there are worldwide mind you i've seen more than one of the uh, memes been about this um mel what do you feel about Homemade masks that have been made since we're running out of regular masks for nursing home staffs. Um, again, it's probably better than nothing, but ideally other masks would be uh, better and trying to limit uh, your immediate contact with people would be uh, beneficial as well. There's a guy that's coming that I think you know too there, Tom. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think Ben said it all right there, Mel, is I think something is better than nothing. Unfortunately, I think it's an absolute tragedy what we are exposing American healthcare workers to. So, and, and that's everybody in healthcare. I, I love to give EMS a hard time, but EMS is ill-prepared. Um, 
in hospital workers are ill-prepared. And I heard an interesting quote, and I know we avoid politics on the show, so this is a hammer on both sides of the aisle, is a gentleman um, that was speaking about emergency preparedness, and they asked him what he had tried to do. He said, short of setting himself on fire inside of the White House, he could not have made himself any more visible about the lack of preparedness when this was coming on. And we're talking early on, like January, February. He said, however, that's not just a failure of this administration, that he has worked for several administrations with inside the government. And he said he had the same conversation with each administration, and they have all failed to take the appropriate action. So is this sad. is not a new problem. Yeah, it, it's sad because, and I think we've talked about this on other shows, actually way prior to this pandemic, which is people are getting away with stuff so they think they can continue to do it. And guess what? We've, we finally found something that you can't just run from. So all of our bad choices that have led up to this point, they're coming to fruition. And that's, that's why we're stuck in this situation. Oh, okay. So uh, let's see here. Tom, <laughs> you know watching the, uh, yeah, I've, I've, heard, I've heard his name once or twice. Um, <laughs> not myself. I'm not talking about myself in the third person. Says, would. <laughs> I would talk about myself <laughs> in the third person, but I'm not this time. Said, I thought you were serious about healthcare until you said you were wise. Um, did I actually say that, Ben? You know, I'm going to claim Tom Nisha and say I don't know if you said that or not. But So for, it, for people that don't really listen possible. to the show, yeah, for people that don't listen to the show on a regular you know, basis, which shame on you, first of all. But second of all, I have some kind of weird podcast amnesia where I literally don't remember anything I talk about during or after the show. So I'm going to say that this person probably has dementia based on his age. <laughs> And wow. therefore, I cannot verify um, anything he has to say about what's going on. So if I said I was wise, clearly I was correct. And that's all that matters. So okay. <laughs> um, um, Darwin, Darwin. <laughs> uh, is KY Jelly really made in Kentucky? Actually, I researched that for you while Tom was talking. Um, no, it's currently the owner is um, a company named Reckitt Binketster, and they are out of Europe. So no. Whoa, 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 whoa. The guys that make KY Jelly is from a company named Wreck-It? Yeah, I believe so. It was Johnson & Johnson, and now it's uh, Wreck-It something. Yeah. No matter how many times you say it, I'm going <laughs> to laugh. The people that make KY Jelly are from a company called Wreck-It. Yep. All right. So it doesn't taste we'll, we'll save that for the next time either. we have. <laughs> We're going to save the rest of that for the next time Pollyanna is on the show. Yo, wow. so, uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on people saying that the bad illness they tested negative for flu and other respiratory stuff that a lot of people had in December and January were actually COVID-19 um, personally I feel like I think we would have seen a whole lot more severe cases of high fatalities in organizations like nursing homes um, had we been having COVID cases in December and January um, particularly when you see how quickly it went through the nursing home in Washington, which was one of the very first cases, and as well as um, a lot of the nursing homes in other states now that are seeing super high numbers of um, cases and fatalities, I, I suspect that it's 
I think it was a respiratory illness, obviously, but I don't believe that it was actually COVID-19. No, I, I find it unlikely based on what we're seeing now that it was COVID just based on spread and, and everything else that we've seen since then. So again, this isn't influenza, but people seem to forget about our, the old, you know, the OG killer um, influenza. So I would say it's probably more likely that it's a case of something that we already know or they diagnosed correctly. Yeah. So I got a question. Somebody said, was my question too difficult? Crystal says, was my question too difficult for you, Tom? I can't find a question from her. Was it on, you shared it on your personal page. Was it potentially posted there? I don't know. I don't see it on here. I don't know. I don't either. I think that she is just trying to make herself sound important. And she came to the wrong spot, Crystal, because there's uh, no question from you. So there you go. That's what I think. Uh, that Tom guy's asking you some more questions, Tom. No, Lord. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay. Well, he does, he does have a... A question that probably needs addressed. Um, hey, Nicole. She said, hey, TMFS. So you got to stop for a second and address that. So what is going on? Well, honestly, my take, and I really want to hear what Ben has to say about this, but the issue seems to be fear. The same thing that drives racism, the same thing that drives xenophobia, the same thing that's driving panic right now is fear. And right now... Everyone only remembers one thing from the beginning of this is that it came from China. And I think, unfortunately, that there are people that some of it's ignorance and some of it is just good old fashioned. They don't know what else to do. And they're looking for someone to blame because they don't want to blame themselves. And they don't want to blame, you know, where they live or their neighbors. So it must be China's fault. And unfortunately, that also breeds contempt where people, you know, don't think that they have to take things seriously or that's where conspiracy things are conspiracy things. Conspiracy ideas come from like this is a bioterrorism weapon, et cetera, et cetera. So unfortunately, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And that's my take on that issue. Uh, Crystal's question popped back up now there, Tom. Do you? Uh, oh, God. I'll read it while you answer. Uh, well, how do you calm the fears of bedside staff when the panic of physicians and others have caused them to forget basic medicine? That's a damn good question. Um, and I've seen a, a lot of staff kind of have moments of very high concern. And I don't, I don't necessarily call it panic. But a lot of it is, you know, if you go back to uh, The House of God, which is one of my favorite books, um, medicine books of all time, you know, the first pulse that you take is your own. Yes. Oh, um, okay. And so it's trying to realize that they're the one with the emergency and not uh, those who are taking care of them and taking a deep breath and trying to... Uh, address everything but if you're taking a deep breath and you're taking care of a COVID patient don't do it too close to said patient <laughs> that's that's some pretty good advice <laughs> um 
I, I think Ben started off with the same way I would have started off with, you know, any code or anytime I trained a new nurse and we were doing a code, especially if it was their first one, is they're the one with the problem. Okay, I know that sounds callous to those outside of healthcare, but the patient is the one with the problem, okay? So you are just going to make it worse if you do nothing but panic. And that's the first thing I tried to instill in them is you have to focus on taking care of them. The second thing is honestly on the subject of focus. I would say you have to figure out what things you can control. Make your circle small. Okay, I can't control what's going on outside of this hospital. I can't control what's going on with people not wearing their masks. And I'm talking about the person that's bedside. Like, stop thinking about everything. You only need to worry about what's in that room and what your job is. Do it, do it correctly, and then get out of there. If you really want to minimize your risk and exposure, that's the best thing you can do. Do what's best for your patient. Do what's best for yourself by being safe and being efficient and getting your job done correctly. I think if you do those things, you are that's the first step in minimizing um, your risk and your fear. The second thing I would also tell them is this is scaring the ooh, excuse me. This is scaring the shit out of everybody right now. Yeah. No way around that. That's true. But we know we know some numbers. Okay? People are dying of this and that's a tragedy. But we also know that 80% of the people that have this either have no symptoms or are going to recover with minimal care. Even the 20% that are hospitalized, 95% of them are going to recover or, you know, receive just a standard level care for respiratory distress. It's that 5%, that 5% of a 20% that then becomes critical. Your chances of having a fatal interaction with this disease are are low. And I'm not saying that to minimize how dangerous this is, but what I'm saying is, is especially if you're in healthcare and your bedside, and I'm sure Ben can attest to this, we deal with stuff that like, wow, HIV, hepatitis, you know, there are so many things out yes. there already. And if you allow your brain to think about the things that could happen instead of what you're supposed to be doing, inevitably that's when the bad things are going to happen. So I always try and say, focus on your three foot circle. If it's within three feet of you, you can control it. And that's the only thing you need to be worried about. If you're worried about what the CEO of the hospital is doing, that's how mistakes are happening. So and that's, profound, that's what right? I would say, Crystal. Wise. 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 <laughs> Do you know why it takes so long to get the results of a COVID-19 test? People can die before they get results. Um, because of the sheer number of tests that are being sent nationwide to um, certain laboratories, and it's a backlog. Um, you know, it's it's the, a funnel, and if you're sending in 10,000 tests, and they can only do a thousand tests a day. Uh, it's it's going to back up. That's it. Like when <laughs> this first started, it was it was taking three days, and now that we're pounding out tests now it's up to seven days what do you think of the discussion of blanket dnr for patients for covid did you ever think you would see that in healthcare? you know some of the stuff that i've seen in regards to that is more protection of uh, immediate staff so 
when they are coding somebody and intubating them and doing all the other stuff, you're aerolizing the virus. And uh, one of the things, you know, with like nebulizers, you don't want to do a nebulizer treatments right now with if they are positive for COVID uh, because you're going to potentially aerolize the virus and can then spread it out even further. Uh, some of the cases that I have seen where they've talked about that is even putting a, uh, a plastic sheeting over the patient to try to protect healthcare workers uh, that are coding um, COVID patients. So I don't know. I mean, the stuff I've seen, it, it talks about a blanket DNR, but I don't know that it truly is as much as, um, again, just trying not trying to limit the amount of uh, the virus that we uh, throw up into the air. So again, great question. I don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, but if people don't start taking this serious, we will be. And that's true too. Um, I, that's I, I don't want us off. to be there. Yeah, exactly. That's Ben talked about it in the, was it the last episode or the episode before, but you know, been discussed it and disaster triage will become a reality and if it comes down to what I guess I would say to people is you don't want us to making that decision not because we wouldn't make the right one but you really don't want me to have to decide between your mother or somebody else yeah like that that's that's it so I I hope we never get to that area because as we said before so many people are recovering from this I would hate to put a blanket DNR but if it comes down to you know I, I saw estimates today of course it's so hard to see sometimes with what are the models that we were talking about earlier some models showed they're estimating at least a hundred thousand deaths um, if people start doing everything they're supposed to I've seen up to I want to say it was 2.5 million if people don't follow yeah, we don't have that many events, so it's true. If uh, if people don't start taking this quite a bit more seriously, it might be time to make that happen. Well, Tom, you know when we jumped on, dude, I thought we were going to go maybe ten or fifteen minutes, and we weren't going to get a whole lot of questions or discussion. But uh, once again, uh, people proved me wrong, and. I mean, we're at an hour and two minutes of Facebook Live right now. Okay. So, Are you saying you want to get off? Well, no. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, if we have any other questions, we can certainly ask them. Or we can answer them. We don't generally ask the questions. Unless it's five questions, and then we do. But um, if we don't have any other questions, we can probably consider jumping off if there's nothing else yeah, I to think, discuss. I think – I think we're I think we're doing okay for now. I did see a little interaction about bats. So, um, some more information that I heard on the background of this. And again, I think what I'm about to say is based off what we know now. Who knows in the next six months or so what? Who knows what's we're going to find out? I would tell you that most of these viruses, especially coronaviruses, um, are zoonotic, meaning they come from animals first or they are in the animal kingdoms before they find a way to mutate and then translate over to humans. So back to the, the question of bats, 
they don't know a hundred percent where or how they do have a good idea that um, a market in Wuhan, China, the last time I saw some data on this was the ground zero from where this came from. That market does in fact um, have food carts and serves um, animals such as bats. And they, their best guess now is that it was bats and, or, I saw Jet or Jennifer talk about this pangolins, which is a uh, delicacy. I never even heard of that. So. Yeah, you never heard of pangolins? You should look them up. It looks like a uh, aardvark and a dinosaur, or a, a a dragon got it on. It looks like an aardvark with like armored scales. It's kind of really cool looking. Um, I would tell you right now, they do think that there is a strong possibility it was pangolins, Jennifer, though I haven't heard definitively if it was bats or pangolins. Also, I found out the largest markets for pangolin aren't in China. They're actually in Nigeria. So pangolin eating isn't just a uh, Asian issue. It is a worldwide issue and hopefully we can deal with that sometime in the future. That's kind of an interesting looking animal. Yeah. See, uh, Tom's reinforcing it. Uh, South Koreans highly suspect the virus is from pangolins. Absolutely. Um, I know that they have a strong suspicion that it is, but I just have not heard definitively if it is pangolins or bats. So I'm going to just leave it up in the air that it could be either of those. So I'm surprised with as cool as that pangolin looks that there's not more high schools and colleges that use that as their mascot. <laughs> the fighting. Well, my understanding are pangolins are actually extremely docile. So maybe uh, you don't want to be the fighting pangolins. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but it did, is cool looking. I'm hundred percent. Did we find Bjorn yet? Uh, no, I actually guess I need to email him and be like, Hey man, are you still good? So I will do that. JR. I will reach out to Bjorn. Uh, via his email and make sure that he is still safe wherever in the world he is. Honestly, he's probably really drunk on beer because he's been stuck in Antarctica for a while. <laughs> I don't blame him. I really don't. I would be. So I'm sure Bjorn is out kicking ass and taking names and drinking beer and being a Viking and doing Bjorn things. So we all love you, Bjorn. Bjorn things. Like, maybe that should be on our next shirt. I'm doing Bjorn things. I like it. <laughs> Does it taste like, like chicken? Uh, well, I, Tom, do you know? Do What's the question? Tastes like chicken? Question mark? Pangolin? Pangolin is delicious. Have you really had it? I'm just kidding. I've never no, eaten a like, pangolin. I was <laughs> no like... Idea. <laughs> Yeah, you've had a past and you've done things and you've been places and I'm like, well, shit, maybe he really has eaten a pangolin. <laughs> I should have let that one roll a little further. I mean, alligator and stuff before, so I'm like, you know, maybe. Yes. You know, actually, I really liked alligator, Ben, but I made the mistake of biting into a piece that I had to make sure all the, like, tendon and gristle had been off of. And alligator gristle is a whole new level of tough like I literally couldn't have chewed through it if I tried. So there's a there's a pro tip for you guys out there trying to cook exotic animals. Make sure your uh, alligator is trimmed nicely. Um, Ryan, does Advil make it harder to treat? So as we discussed a little earlier, there's not any direct linkage 
between Advil, Motrin, ibuprofen are all the same medication. There are a family of medications called NSAIDs. No, not that we know of. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of information out there that, I shouldn't say a lot, there is some information out there that suggests that the entire idea of using NSAIDs for treatment and their linkage to worsening outcomes is actually a misinformation campaign that there are people in the world that want to make things harder on other people. And so therefore they have started that campaign. So um, I, I would say that multiple people are watching this world health organization, CDC um, countries like individually, the European medical association, and they all said the same thing. It is good to go. But again, if you have concerns, take acetaminophen or Tylenol. Um, so, Tom, um, weirdly enough, both Ben and I have eaten a scorpion, but it wasn't on purpose. Well, it was on purpose. <laughs> it was, well, it was on purpose, but it wasn't like food. It was at the bottom of a bottle of Mezcal. Yeah. And Good old I tell you right now, that Mezcal... Yes, that uh, that mezcal certainly made it easier to consume a scorpion after you drank a bottle of it. So it did make the scorpion. I can say I've eaten it. I found it after it's been soaking in that bottle for a while to be kind of squishy, and I did not enjoy that. I, from what I remember, I swallowed majority of it whole. Yeah, no, I only took one bite and instantly regretted it and just swallowed the rest of it whole, which. I hate bugs. I am not an outdoorsman. So the very fact I had a bug, let alone a scorpion in my mouth, that is brutal. How do you feel about spiders, Tom? Okay. Um, Spiders are, okay. I would say they're the devil of the insect world. Um, They are heinous. They crawl on you and bite you in your sleep. I can't think of anything worse. Oh God, Jesus! Just thinking about it, scorpion or spiders are terrible. There you go. JB, why can't why can't see all your damn comments? Probably because you're blind. So next question. Um, I did have one on my personal that uh, when I shared it that somebody wanted to make a comment that knows you, Tom. Let me find that again here, sir. Okay, so I see two comments. Uh, One is about frogs. I stand by my reaction to frogs, which is I am not afraid of frogs, Ben. I just don't like them. Okay, that's different. I am terrified of spiders. Frogs are just not cool. I just don't like them. Kirst, um, who commented, I think this is actually for you, Ben. Can Hmm. you see her comment? Yes, it was the same. Believe it or not, these questions. Yes. Um, uh. Nell commented on my personal that how come Tommy has more hair on his face than on his head? Oh. Well, that's because who asked that? Nell. Oh. Ooh, I'm really glad I asked that because I assumed it was one of the guys in here and I was about to be really. <laughs> unfriendly in my answer um 
<laughs> so the reason being now is poor genetics. I uh, got this DNA that makes me have no hair and I blame my father and my mother. So um, that's it. Have you gentlemen heard any reports from any areas of the country that are requiring nurses to work with a positive COVID diagnosis as, as long as they're not symptomatic? I have not heard that. Um, I think that's, Ooh, that's, uh, that is a slippery slope. Um, um, I, I don't want to say I've heard of anybody requiring it, but they're doing it every day. So that are working with a positive COVID diagnosis. Oh, oh my God. I misread it. <laughs> I was like, no. no. Okay. Sorry. I was like, no, they're working with patients with COVID every day. That's why I was confused. Oh, um, no, I have not heard that. As a matter of fact, I would think that would be a rule out. Like you can't come to work. I would think so too, because you're, you know, if you're not taking care of COVID patients, uh, you're potentially exposing them to COVID. Um, so th that would be really slippery slope. And I think, um, I would not be surprised if, if lawsuits happened, um, in regards to that. So. Uh-oh. Aaron's <laughs> got some CDC info apparently loaded up for us. Hmm. Oh my God. The spider comment. See, look at... <laughs> I'm sorry I brought up spiders. I'm sorry, but it's funny. <laughs> and we bag on you. That's it is funny. Show. And now, now there's the windshield issue. <laughs> so I broke one windshield trying to... Or I shouldn't say trying. I killed that spider. You did effectively... Pictures. Yeah, you, you did effectively oh. stop the threat. With extreme prejudice. So there was that was one dead spider. So unfortunately, and I did not hit that windshield that hard, but boy, howdy. Aaron, if you have and, that uh, form, it's not pulling up. Let's take a look at this from the CDC. We're not seeing anything. If you want to shoot that to us and email admin at justsomepodcast.com, we'll look at it because I have not, I have not heard of that. But again, I'm in a more rural area where I'm not having a lot of uh, cases currently. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's something from the CDC that we have not seen, please uh, shoot that over to us by email. What other things could we talk about right now? <laughs> I don't know, Tom. Here. You have the mic. Well, you have a mic too, jerk face. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> oh, 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 my goodness. Oh, I'm almost, I'm running low on Coke, though. Are you, I'm out of my drink. Um, so in your general area, without not getting too specific, because we're on our yeah. JSP page, are you seeing a lot of cases? I know you're kind of in a weird, like half rural, half urban area. Yeah, I, I'm in one of those growing centers of America where I'm still in the periphery, where I'm not in an urban area, but I am literally touching it. Um, no, in my neck of the woods, still we, we have a couple cases here and there. Um, but 
in the urban center, there are plenty of cases. As far as um, deaths or complications, no, I, I, it seems to be following a pretty regular pattern, just like the numbers are stating. You know, the majority of these people are sick. They go home after diagnosis. The, you know, a few handful of them will actually get admitted. Um, I don't know numbers of death in my area, though. And like I said, we're starting to see more uh, positive cases in this general area as well. Um, though uh, nothing in western Kansas, which is kind of, I mean, well, number one, there's not a whole lot of people out there, but even so, apparently even COVID-19 doesn't like western Kansas. Because <laughs> there's just not a, I mean, they're starting to get more cases out there now, but yeah, there's just not a whole lot uh, of cases out that way. Well, and again, this is one of the things we covered at the top of the show is population density. You yeah. know, if an area has a large group of people, you're going to see a large number of COVID. Western Kansas, you got like, it's, you know, eight people per, you know, county or whatever they got going on out there. I mean, you're, you're not going to see a ton of cases. And even if there are are a case good lord even if there is a case the rate of transmission is still going to be extremely low because there's not a lot of people to pass it on to hmm. uh, what's the best way to keep everyone safe uh, but still keep things more everyday life in the nursing without panic or without putting people into panic mode um trying isolation. to do your well I'll say either isolation or limiting your exposure um, to and, and proximity um, to patients and, and other coworkers. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huggy type guy and uh, I'm, I don't do hugs anymore. Um, you know, we're not doing handshakes. We're not doing high fives. Um, it's a, you know, a, across the room. Hey, how you doing type thing. So um you, you got to kind of be creative with how you come up with ways to keep everyone safe, but still, you know, protect yourself also. Honestly, Mel, the other thing I would say is the chance of something getting in there is far, I, I would think is far too great um, to rule out something like isolation because once they're in their bubble, they can still operate on a you know a normal schedule. The problem is, is that we know that the people that are typically in nursing homes are those that are at highest risk for being fatal if they yeah. contract this. So I realistically think that there is only one true option, and it's distance. And that is terrible, and I, I know people hate it, but... Unless you want to start filling a lot of toe tags, you got to keep them safe. Tom, again, mask do not prevent you from getting COVID-19, though it is requested to wear them in Korea. The health professionals just say to wear them as a precaution. Why is the U.S. talking about doing something that doesn't work? Um, well, sometimes the United States talks about lots of things that don't work. <laughs> I mean... Yes. Um, I, again, I don't think, I think the idea is we know we have more people than we have tests to confirm. 
and they are considering it as a means of adding a layer of protection because the other the other half of this is that we know that there are people that know that they're exposed they know they have symptoms they may even know they have covid-19 and they are actively going out so it that might be just one more thing to try and help um on top of that there are lots of people the majority of people that have covid-19 don't know they have it yeah. I mean, if you look at the estimates, we know that there's, you know, 180,000 people, but they're, they're assuming that there are four to five more, four to five times more people with COVID than 180,000. So well, the, only, like you, the only way to protect it, go on. I was say, it's kind of like you said earlier too. It's not necessarily helping the person who's wearing the mask from you know, catching COVID-19, but maybe even if they are exposing other people and not realizing it, wearing the mask will hopefully decrease some of the respiratory stuff. Yeah, that's the whole point that they're looking for is not to protect yourself, but to protect everybody around you. And, but until I, our good friend Pollyanna actually sent me a link earlier um, that a, couple judges in Kentucky have actually ordered people that have positive COVID-19 tests are within their two-week quarantine period but are leaving their house to be house arrested. Interesting. And I think that's fantastic. I am not about government overreach, but if you are too dumb to figure out that you need to stay inside your house, if you have a possibly, you know, fatal disease for those around you and you can't be smart enough to make that decision on your own, you're right. There you go. So I was looking at what Aaron had said, talking about return to work criteria yeah. for HCPs with confirmed or suspected COVID-19. Uh, use one of the below strategies to determine when the HCP may return to work in the healthcare settings. One is a test-based strategy. They're excluded from work until the resolution of fever without fever reducers and improvement in symptoms and negative results of the COVID-19 from at least two consecutive specimen swabs uh, greater than 24 hours apart. The non-test-based strategy is to exclude them from work until at least three days have passed since recovery, which is defined as resolution of the fever without the use of fever-reducing medicines and improvement in respiratory symptoms, and at least seven days have passed since symptoms first appeared. Um, and, and I mean that's not just HCPs. I mean that's even current guidelines for anybody re- to return to work is three days after recovery and seven days since symptoms first appeared. So I, what are your thoughts, Tom? I think that that's probably a reasonable expectation however i think you ultimately it comes down to you have to do what you think is right um just like the NSAIDs, if you're that worried about taking them don't take them if you're at home and you still don't feel like you're ready to go back to work don't i i don't know what else to tell people on that one because at the end of the day, you have to be ultimately responsible for your health and safety and those around you. Like if you have children, 
I can't expect a seven-year-old to make his own medical decisions. So if you feel like there's something more you can do, I think, I think America has to be on big boy rules. And if you feel like there's something you can do more than you should. Um, and just continuing on that return to work practices for them. Uh, they need to wear a face mask at all time while in the healthcare facility um, until 14 days after illness onset. Um, be restricted from severely immunocompromised patients until 14 days. Adhere to, of course, hand hygiene. Um, healthcare systems, healthcare facilities in the appropriate state, local, territorial, tribal health authorities might determine that the recommended approaches cannot be followed due to the need to mitigate staffing shortages. In such scenarios, HCPs should be evaluated by occupational health to determine appropriateness of earlier return to work than recommended above. And if the HCP returns to work earlier than recommended above, they should still adhere to the uh, practices of wearing a mask and staying away from immunocompromised patients. So perhaps that's what she was uh, talking about. Hmm. Um, well, I, I, I think the unique qualifier for healthcare providers and those that work in healthcare is we're going to be working with everybody. I may not know that you have a, a compromised immune system. I think that we have to be extra precautious with the people that are directly handling these patients. So perhaps it would be prudent for us to have a longer time before returning to work. I don't know. I mean, that, that's a tough call. Well, because we already have a shortage. And it's going to get even worse as more healthy workers get sick. You know, if you have yeah. 20 providers in your facility and 15 test positive, you know. Yeah, you, you got you problems. Can, you, you got big problems. You know, are you going to have to shut the door? You're going to have to, you know, bring in a headhunting agency, which, I mean, I, I mean, I got a text message yesterday from uh, a headhunting agency for, to go to New York for $13,000 a week. Um, working 21 days straight, 12-hour shifts. Um, so, I mean, I, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is going to be a slaughterhouse for quite a while as far as that's concerned. I just watched earlier when they were talking to the commissioner of the New York City Police Department, 15% of NYPD is sick or out right now. 15%. Well, I mean, yeah, so that they you got to hand it to that other 85 percent. And that's nothing against the 15 percent that's sick. If you're sick, you're sick. Um, but I mean, when you think about the logistics of 85 percent trying to take up and overcome that hurdle is just unbelievable. And the same thing goes with hospitals. Imagine if 15 percent of the nurses are out. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be it's already it's. Yeah, it's tough now. I can only imagine what it would be like then. Um, Jeff, who's been on our show multiple times, um, he has more research than we did on this. He said the testing is only 65 to 75% sensitive for the COVID-19. So as far as Tammy's earlier question about uh, false negatives, um, there you go. Ah. Um, our leaders are sending us basically to a physical therapy area to do functional testing to make sure the new hires are being tested correctly. Let's do this now during a pandemic. WTF. 
you know, um, physical therapy areas. I know at least with our organization, I can't speak for all organizations, obviously, but um, we've set up a fever clinic where the majority of the sick patients are supposed to go, but um, you know, we're trying to keep the other areas opening and functional uh, without sick patients in them. So, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a weird situation and I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer for, for that. I don't think there is a good answer. I, I think if I said, well, they shouldn't be doing this because your area is not the same as my area. I, I think part of the issue would depend on what you do for a living and what is the function test for. So for example, for law enforcement, criminals don't stop committing crimes because the world is sick. They should. Police departments are in a unique position. No, they should. They're assholes, <laughs> though. Um, but the point is, is that the police department has to continue to function, and you have to make sure that the people that are doing that job are able to actually do that job. So I think that this may be one of those situations where if that administration has made the appropriate steps with the hospital to make to ensure safety of everybody involved it may or may not be appropriate i don't know all the ins and outs right. now if you are applying to work at long john silvers you are correct i would probably say this might be a bit overkill at this point in time i it's always hard when you're not in the hot seat to make that you know yeah. decision because I, I, I've been in administration, and I'm sure I've made decisions that people didn't agree with, but I was honestly doing the best thing I could with the information I had at that time. Yeah. Um, Aaron comes back with just my opinion. Um, if, you, if I knowingly had COVID, but I ethically feel comfortable taking care of patients, I suppose it's the fact that I know I could transmit this to someone who might potentially die from the virus. And that's a very real, exactly. real situation. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, you would hope that they would uh, how do I you would hope that um, organizations wouldn't be so uh, stressed on staffing that you would have to come back to work earlier than recommended uh, to prevent that so but I mean I think that would always be in the back of your mind yeah that and again to me that's the the ultimate decision like as far as this question is concerned is what am i going to live with and if i just don't feel like i'm ready i'm not going back and that's how it is i got to live with myself there you go well tom there you go we're at an hour and a half we've dropped down from 40 people to 18 people we still appreciate everybody who's listening but uh, that's the hardcore yo right I think we'll actually, leave this. There is, go ahead. Well, hold on. I actually want to ask one more quick question. Is one of the things that somebody asked me the other day, what do I think could be done to help ERs at this time of need? And honestly, I'm not even saying this is the right answer. I'm just saying that maybe this is a direction we could look is a 
compromise or a temporary suspension of Mtala. Hmm. Here's the reason. I'm not saying we don't take care of COVID patients, but I know not everybody's not following or heeding advice. They're, you know, you're still getting toe pains at 3 a.m. in ERs while they're trying to take care of stuff. Car wrecks are still happening. Priority one traumas, cardiac arrest are still happening. Right. And we are now stretching a universally short department, EC, ERs and ICUs, you know, um, and we are putting them at breaking points for people that are clearly not requiring the services of an ER. Excuse me. So that was one of the things I actually said just off the top of my head was um, a temporary compromise or suspension of Mtala. Make it so that they did not require a medical screening exam. If you're coming in for chronic, you know, thumb pain for three years. Nope. You got to leave. We're not seeing you. Um, That's an interesting. It's interesting. It's also a slippery slope. And that's, that's the sad part is how do you, how do you go from protecting people to doing that? That's, that's a tough one, but that's one of those things that, but yeah, and that's exactly what my point is, Jeff, is keeping people out that should not be there. The problem is, is that I don't want it to turn into the reason that we got Mtala. you know, hospitals just not seeing people because they couldn't pay or, you know, doing those other things. Right, which for... I just our, think... Sorry. Go on. I was just saying for our non-medical people who are still listening, Mtala laws basically say that if you present... Uh, to a hospital with an emergency room that they are not allowed to turn you away until you have a medical screening exam. Um, so that's what Tom is referring to as far as suspending that so that um, not everybody, everybody has to be uh, seen if they're determined to not have a emergency. Um, and on a last note, since I know we're getting ready to go, Ben, is number one survival tip that I have for people. Double tap? And this survival tip, survival, <laughs> sir, survival. I know, double tap. Um, it's in a this, zombie land oh, oh, I haven't watched the second one yet, so I don't know. <laughs> I haven't either. But I you're, you're, a- you're close, though. Um, ben, we need to just take two, five minutes, whatever it's going to take. <sighs> Tiger King, I think, is the key to surviving in this time of quarantine. I I cannot disagree with you, sir. That is a hell of a show. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I learned a whole lot. Um, You know, we won't throw a whole lot of spoilers out just in case there are people who are listening to us that have not watched if it you yet. haven't seen this show oh my god if you have not watched the show by yet i don't know what rock you're under but get out from under it and go watch this because the memes alone from tiger king are gold oh yeah no that that is what will make us survive this pandemic you are absolutely correct is the tiger king and the the memes that have come from it so 
you yeah. know who you know who's not helping us, Carol. I really wanted to start this uh, <laughs> this live show with "Hello, all you cool cats and kittens," but yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Why didn't you? I don't know. Oh my God! Maybe next oh. one. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe that's just something we gotta do. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I think ten years from now, when we look back at this time, um, good lord, man, it's gonna be like yeah, but Tiger King. <laughs> like I think that's how the discussion is gonna go. No, I agree with you. Um, it has captivated the nation. I mean, probably the world. I think it was trending like number one worldwide on on Netflix. So, but yes, Tiger King. What, what else would you did you want to say? Is there something else you wanted to? No, nah, I was gonna say the only other tragedy of the past couple of days is uh, so there's no way for kids <laughs> to get haircuts. That's true. And uh, somehow Tommy's front of his hair got cut today. And if you want to see a tragedy, I'll show you a picture here later. Je- whoa, whoa, that, whoa, wait, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeff, what the hell is Tiger King? <sighs> Come on, Holy sir. shit. Did he just ask us what the hell is Tiger King? I hope he's kidding. Does this man on, not have dude. Netflix? Well, he's probably You're busy. Kidding. He's probably busy, but still. He's not uh, that busy. Yeah, I literally sit and watch the entire episode or the entire series in one night um here here we go six jason says my buddy was on that show well yeah why am i not shocked didn't you know that he was friends with uh joe exotic (laughs) i heard he was married to him briefly well tiger's a method (laughs) to you Um, (laughs) oh my god my wife carol Carol started covid that's awesome there you go she yes, did. exactly. Oh, she she was out to get Joe from the beginning. It's amazing. So, wow. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. My my kids' haircuts. <laughs> that was the only other tragedy of COVID. So, <laughs> I told he looks Amish now. He's got that Amish kind of look at a haircut. Well, and you have um, the beard for it, so that's awesome. Yeah, but I got a mustache. They don't like mustaches, so. Oh, okay. Um. Who has the yeah, time? So Jeff? I, I've been calling, been calling him Hezekiah. He doesn't get it, but I figured you would. So, Jeff, who has the time? You need to find time, sir. Find time, six Jeff. And a half, six and a half hours. We're not talking. This is a show that you, yeah. you know, this is not the Office where you have to watch fifteen seasons. We're talking six and a half hours. It will change your life, and all the memes <laughs> for the better, and all the memes yes. will make sense. Oh my gosh! I so I cannot, mm, Jeff. That's it. I'm contacting you off the air, Jeff. This is Ooh. this is DefCon One. Him not knowing who the Tiger King is. So, well, Tom, I think we should probably start wrapping it up because well, it's ten o'clock my time, and I've not eaten dinner yet, and it's uh, even later well, for you. Also, we we've we've gone down to. Um, talking about tiger king so yeah right it's, it's that time <laughs> yeah when we've reached the tiger king portion of the show it's time to end it so correct sir 
for everybody out there who is on the front lines taking care of people, whether that's in healthcare, whether you're working at Walmart or you know anywhere else in an essential staff, um, take care of yourself. If you're in healthcare, definitely take care of yourself. Make sure you're washing your hands. Uh, we have to be here to be able to take care of everybody else. So, you know, do what you can to uh, limit your exposure to this virus. Everybody. I, um, I didn't say are your, you done? your phrase. Yeah, I was just saying I didn't say your phrase this time. Oh, thank you. I, 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 pre- myself. I appreciate it. You, I would have seriously punched you in your belly button if you did it. I'd be so mad at you. Um, I think I speak on both of our halves that, first of all, we appreciate everybody that's taking time right now. Um, you're captive, so that makes it easier for you to listen to us, but we still Why appreciate we did it. it. This way. <laughs> exactly. Um, we planned ahead. We knew someday something bad would happen, and you'd have to stay inside and listen to us. Exactly. The second thing is, this is, yeah, Jeff hit on what I was going to, this, I don't want people to panic. I don't think we are at panic state, but this is something that if you don't pay attention to, it will get you. And I don't mean that in like, maybe not literally, but maybe it'll affect your life in some way, but be vigilant and make sure you are aware of what's going on around you and take all the precautions. Okay. The minute that you start thinking that you can't get this is when you'll get it. Yeah. So when I say this, when I say, Hey, everybody stay safe out there. I mean it. Please, for us, from JSP, from anybody that's listened to the show or has been on the show, I'm sure all of us would say the same thing. We have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of each other. And you can't do it if you're sick. So stay safe. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us.